Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? And welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 298, Batman Returns. Die Hard is always the one for the is a Christmas movie argument, but I've come to find that there is like a lot of these that you could throw into that category. Well, yeah, and that's sort of always been my point. Yeah. About pushing back on it just because... I've noticed it more and more, though. I'll throw out a movie and it's like, yeah, this just takes place at Christmas. It's not any more or less of a Christmas movie than Die Hard in that sense. Yeah. There's movies that are set on Christmas and then there's movies that capture the Christmas spirit, which I don't really think that Batman Returns does, but it is a great wintry vibe. It does take place at Christmas time. And there's something cool about seeing Gotham in the snow and during that time of the year and... 
yeah. very unique, fun experience. It is cool. And it's hard to tell how much time passes during this. It feels like it's all over like a couple weeks. Probably, yeah. A month or so. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure how long this mayor campaign is going on. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It might only be like a week. True. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really think they thought about that too much. Totally. But as promised, we are doing Batman Returns. We did Batman back in August, and this has turned into a little bit of an unexpected Tim Burton run. And I just talked about this on the Who Framed Roger Rabbit episode, too. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. I do think a big part of Batman Returns is the sexual awakening of a lot of people. (laughs) But yes, follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Thank you to those of you who have given us a recent review on Apple Podcasts and I would encourage any of you who have not yet done so to go over there and give us a rating and review. We love to read those and see them. It's a big part of what keeps us doing this because sometimes it feels... Like, it's all for nothing. <laughs> yes. I'm joking, of course, but yeah, that is the kind of stuff that really makes it worthwhile. If you'd like a free sticker, you can always reach out to us on Twitter, and we'll send that to you. And finally, find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby on there. The final bit of housekeeping, I guess, would be to follow up with something we discussed at the end of the No Country for Old Men episode that we just posted, which would be the new listener request idea, which is setting the world on fire right now. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of positive feedback. I know. People jumping on being like, oh, wow, they're talking about doing more merch, too. What I said in the last episode is that people would have until the end of the year to give us a listener request if they had not already done so. So first-timers only. The only thing that's changing from what I initially said is that I'm going to give a little bit of a grace period up through that first Friday, January the 6th. So that way we'll talk about it again in the next episode, which we're hoping to post either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. For those of you who have already given us a listener request, hold off for right now as i mentioned in the last one we're entertaining the idea of doing that as something people can give us a donation for some amount of money (laughs) and again i'm going to repeat basically everything i just said it's not a money-making proposition for us i don't think so i don't see how it could possibly be based on the max amount of listeners we could get for this show (laughs) (laughs) and even beyond that i would go so far as to promise that any money we do receive whether it be is back pay to you through the listener request format or just any other tip or something that we put together where people can give us money if they want that would all be going towards the show new equipment new equipment the monthly fee uh-huh to keep us on with podbean all that shit that's what it would be for nothing else so we'll get more into that as we move into 2023 we don't have anything finalized as far as the price or how you would give the money so who knows but if you haven't done a listener request yet you have a couple weeks to still turn that in and we'll get to it in 2023 yeah us actually going through the effort to get this stood up hard to imagine but yeah this is something that we'll still be talking about (laughs) in the summer as something that's going to happen someday (laughs) But at the beginning of every episode, 
but we keep talking about the time frame shifting. <laughs> and finally, I guess I would say I do notice a, a slight difference in number of downloads between regular episodes and Give Us a Second episodes, and I'll just take this opportunity to say... What the fuck? If you're not listening to the Give Us a Second, you should. Yeah. Some of our funniest material, frankly. Not all of them are winners. I know. I'm not going to say which ones I don't think are that good, but the Full House one that we recently posted, top-notch for us. When I was listening to it, I'm like, yes, this is just what works about this show when we do stuff like this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a time for us to let our hair down a little bit and just go off the rails. And at least one person in one of the recent reviews called it out as being a special moment for them. That's right. So yeah, that's all. If you're listening to the regular apps, the minisodes are basically the same idea now, except they're shorter. All right. Batman Returns, 1992, directed by Tim Burton. Screenplay by Daniel Waters. Wesley Strick did an uncredited rewrite, by the way. Story by Waters and Sam Hamm, based on characters created by Bob Kane. The budget was somewhere between 50 and $80 million, <laughs> pretty wide range. But with movies like this, yeah, really, there's a lot of contradictory reporting, and no one really knows. I would guess it's probably closer to $80 million when it's all said and done. The box office was only $266.8 million, which was a disappointment at the time because... Batman from 89 was comfortably over 400 and one of the highest grossing movies ever at that point. But there are a lot of reasons that they think that this movie underperformed. We'll get into that more as we go. The thing that jumps out to me is how little connective tissue there really is between the 1989 film and this sequel. The connective tissue being there's zero story in the first one and almost as little of a story in this one. (laughs) No, there's just a few mentions to Vicky Vale yeah. and obviously Alfred and Batman Return. And that's really it. Yeah, the story picks up as if the first one didn't really happen. And there aren't a lot of other character crossover. They don't mention the Joker or anything like that. We would come to realize that just having the same guy play Batman was a win. <laughs> yeah. Considering where this quadrilogy ends yeah. up going, it at least was something with the same Batman. I have to say something. I was watching this on HBO Max, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but certain streaming titles look way better than I expect them to. And this was one of them. It looked, like, really good. It's possible that they were using the 4K transfer. Yeah, noticeable. I'll watch a lot of stuff on streaming, and I'm like, wow, this looks like a really clear picture. It's really sharp. I wonder if that has something to do with Warner Brothers, Discovery, and HBO Max all being the same yeah, it could company. be. And they have the big DC thing on yeah. HBO Max, so that probably is the case. No Vicky Vale, no Knox, parentheses, thankfully. Oh, that's right. I forgot. However, Michael Goff returns as Alfred. I guess we'll just take this opportunity right now since I didn't say it up front. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. We talked about this sort of being a Christmas movie, but we are releasing this on Christmas Day. This oh, yeah. is our big christmas app let us know what movie you're going to see or (laughs) went to see folks we don't even get to see avatar because we're doing this stupid podcast for you people so you better appreciate it. we'll use that excuse (laughs) (laughs) we just don't have any time to go to the theaters anymore i don't all to keep us on pace for what we wanted to accomplish this year and we surprisingly have 
So far. I yeah. don't want to jinx it. It could still yeah, go wrong. Real close. Batman Returns is sort of a polarizing film amongst comic book fans. I think that casual fans of Batman tend to enjoy it, probably because of the Christmas vibe and the wintry vibe and all of that stuff. But let me run through some cons. Okay. The character of Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken, is redundant, superfluous, unnecessary. He essentially replaced Harvey Dent, because if you recall when we did Batman, right. they talked about Billy D. Williams Billy D. Williams sticking on and changing that character into Two-Face, and then they abandoned it. Now, I like Walken's performance. Yeah, he has some hilarious lines. I get what the character is, and you could make the case that people like Shrek are the real villains in the world, and I would say that's all true. But when you have Batman, Catwoman, and the Penguin in the same movie... It feels weird that you're inventing another character that's not in the comics that takes up a lot of screen time, whose arc doesn't really make sense outside of this invented way that Catwoman is created. Uh-huh. But aside from that, he's doing selfless acts when he's supposed to be this horrible guy. I know. He's sacrificing himself for his son. Chip. I don't know. There's a lot of weird shit. Yeah. I, the character is sort of pointless. Not that it's not entertaining though right tim burton opts for the gang members to be clowns making them seem somewhat connected to the joker i know it does have this feel like the gang is left over from the first one this was a conscious decision too because i think that in water's original version of the script they were supposed to be performance artists which i'm not really sure how you mimes i don't know what that means but (laughs) burton specifically requested that they be changed to deranged circus clowns which feels reminiscent of what we would have seen in Batman, even though they don't actually look like that, but they feel like they could have been in Batman. I think I was feeling on this viewing, and this was new to me, that the gang is not that big either. I thought there was like an endless amount of these thugs, but I think you kind of see mostly the same ones. Yeah, there's definitely some repeaters. I don't think it's that big, but I don't know. And I don't really know the connection to the Penguin is sort of explained yeah. in a throwaway moment where Bruce Wayne's doing some research and then we're finding out the Penguin was raised by circus performers. And I guess that's how he knows how to speak English. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. now he's their leader somehow. I don't know. It's all very convoluted, which is a word I'll probably use multiple times for they this all movie. Live in this sewer. For comic book fans, the origin stories for the Penguin and Catwoman are not only incorrect but ridiculous. I was telling you before we started recording that I actually prefer this version of the Penguin, and I think that... Well, this is the one that I know. The origin story is cool and interesting and weird. I get that in the comics he's more of just a fat gangster, not really a freak or anything like that, but... I know, but... This seems more fun. I told you this is the definitive Penguin for me. This is just what I grew up knowing the Penguin to be. I don't have any issue with changing shit from the comics. I was a big Batman fan in the sense that I loved Batman the Animated Series. I had seen the first movie. I was obsessed with trying to see the second one, which I was not able to do in the theater. And I had action figures and all that shit, cards, whatever. But I didn't really read a lot of the comics until I was much, much older. And by that point, I was just reading the collected graphic novel shit. I wasn't a week-to-week reader or anything. So that never really bothered me. But... 
I will say the Catwoman origin story is stupid. <laughs> it's yeah. just stupid. It doesn't bother me, though, in the sense that it's another iteration. You may not like it, but it doesn't bother me that it's not something Well, that yeah, that's what I'm saying. On, I don't right. like it. I yeah. don't care that they changed it from the comics. Exactly. But it's yeah. so supernatural that it's kind of hokey. Uh, yeah, true. I guess now, in retrospect, having seen the Christopher Nolan Batmans and living in that world, which the new Batman from this year kind of plays in that world, too, which is everything's grounded in reality right. a little bit more, and there's not supernatural shit in it, that when you go back and you watch a woman fall from a high building and get revived by cats, it's a bit of a tough ass. Well, I just thought maybe she survived that fall because she was going through those canopies and they softened the blow. (laughs) I guess you could make that case. It would be dumb, but you could make it. Sure. Finally, there are penguins with rockets strapped to their backs. Uh I don't know that we need to say a ton about that. No. The pros, though. Yes. Of Batman Returns. The reason why we like it. The reason why it's worth doing on the show. Because we are going to be super critical and goof on this movie, I think, more than we even normally would. But I do love it, and I think I prefer watching it to the 1989 original. I do, yes. But it is weird and stupid. Totally, yeah. But here's the cool shit. Burton now having... All of the creative control, at the very least, allows the film to be much weirder and in his oeuvre. Everything looks a little stranger, a little bit more like A Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not exactly the same Gotham, and I think that his control over the film allowed for some of these other elements in there that I like. Even though it's lacking story, I feel like... It's much more coherent than the original Batman. Yeah, I think I would kind of agree with that. The biggest problem with Returns, though, is that the plot feels very haphazard and thrown in at the end. Definitely. Another pro would be the psychosexual energy. For sure. Right off the bat, you have Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman in essentially bondage gear, wielding a whip. There's great chemistry between her and Keaton. As was mentioned in the Batman episode, she almost played Vicky Vale. Keaton vetoed it because they had dated before and he was trying to get back together with his wife. Oh, boy. When you watch this film, you could definitely believe they dated. They have Uh a good chemistry together. And through the psychosexual energy, it becomes this whole thing about our true selves, wearing masks, who we really are. Duality. Tying that up in this attraction that they have for each other it's very cool yeah their interactions together where they're like kind of fighting kind of flirting yeah are super fun yeah you get the feeling that there'd be like a lot of rough play in their sex lives i think so based on the fact that they're full-on punching each other in the (laughs) face (laughs) but then also flirting with each other (laughs) as mentioned of course maybe the number one pro christmas and snow vibes all over the place the absolute perfect time of year for Gotham and Batman and all that stuff. And that ties in with the animated series, which started three or so months after this movie came out. It's all tangled together, and I always get a wintry vibe from that animated series. Even though they probably did episodes in the summer and stuff too, but that's always what I associate it with. Yeah, that's true. Also a pro, I would say, and this flies in the face of the cons, Change from the comics doesn't have to be bad, but there's a certain segment of the audience that has conditioned themselves that any change from the source material is automatically bad. 
That's a shame. But I think the cool thing about these worlds and how there's multiple universes essentially through comics and they retcon things and change things all the time, it's a playground that allows for this. So in this particular version of the Batman story, the Penguin is born, deformed, whatever. His parents (laughs) abandon him and he becomes a circus performer and he rises up from the sewers to become what he becomes in the film. It's just a different version. There was more weird crossover with The Dark Knight Rises than I ever would have thought. They feel like two completely different movies, but this presence coming up from the sewers, there's like a whole political angle involved. Yeah. And then, of course, Catwoman. You wouldn't mistake these two movies by any means, but there were some weird crossover points that were striking me. And finally, the last pro... There are penguins with rockets strapped (laughs) to their backs. (laughs) It is exciting. Of course, after the success of Batman in 1989, Batman Returns, or any sequel, was inevitable. But there was initially little interest from Burton himself to return. So he demands a lot of creative control, which for whatever reason, the studio was willing to accommodate to get him on board. Which, in retrospect is weird. Not because he wasn't a talented director who had had some hits, but just because it's so different from how we think of these franchises now. I know. Where if they tried to reinvent a popular Marvel movie after one film, people would riot in the streets. But back then they were like, all right, well, he wants to just start from scratch essentially with the same Batman. Let's go with that, and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Burton brings in... Daniel Waters, who wrote Heathers. That's a good call. He does the script after Burton rejects some ideas by Sam Hamm, who was the screenwriter who wrote Batman. However, Burton and Waters eventually have a falling out anyway. That's why Wesley Strick was brought on to do the rewrite. Batman Returns ends up becoming more of a standalone film, which, again, would be totally insane to think of now with how these franchise ips and all this shit works because now they're thinking how can we connect this to five six seven other movies where it's all part of a larger story that will keep people coming back and for whatever reason the fan bases are demanding this and they want that back then no one was thinking like that right john peters who we talked about a lot in the Batman episode, ends up getting demoted to executive producer and barred from the set Wow! because Burton did not get along with him. And as you may have picked up on in the Batman app, Peters had a lot of sway over that first film right? to the point where he was sort of deciding a lot of it. Well, when was that whole Superman thing that never came to be? After this. Okay, because I thought that was Peters and Burton again, though. They may have originally repaired things, okay. or maybe yeah. Peters didn't hold a grudge and thought he'd be right for the job. Yeah. Batman Returns was one of the last major Hollywood films to be done, quote, the old-fashioned way, with indoor sound stages, yeah. sets, miniatures, and various other vestiges of old-school Hollywood. That is very noticeable. It actually works well for this movie. Yeah, it works in its favor because it's unique now. Yes. It's so different from what we're used to seeing with all CGI. Right. I would say that one of the real strengths of Batman Returns is the cast. That's what they relied on heavily in the marketing. If you remember, they really hit that the bat 
the cat, the penguin. Okay. That whole thing. Burton wanted to cast Marlon Brando as the penguin, but Warner Brothers preferred Dustin Hoffman. Christopher Lloyd and Robert De Niro were also considered, but Danny DeVito became the front runner when Waters re-envisioned the character as a deformed human bird hybrid. Wow. Sort of a rough beat for DeVito yeah. to hear that, I guess. <laughs> well, he's a unique looking guy. DeVito was initially reluctant to accept the role until he was convinced by his close friend, Jack Nicholson, who played the Joker in Batman. Jack, I don't think Danny's getting the same deal you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Jack's whole thing was, I made so much money from Batman, it's great. <laughs> I don't think they were ever going to give anyone else that kind of a deal, though. Casting Selena Kyle slash Catwoman was a little more difficult. Originally, it was going to be Annette Benning. She had gotten the role, but then dropped out after becoming pregnant. Oh, wow. There were a lot of actresses lobbying for the part, which is very reminiscent of what happened with The Dark Knight Rises, where right. everyone was attached in terms of wanting it. That's wild, though. I can't picture Annette Benning doing this role. I'd love to see those screen tests. Some of these people... I could see doing it. Ellen Barkin. Yeah. Cher? No. Cannot see that. No. Me neither. Not that Cher's not great. In fact, I wish Cher did more acting. I know. I love Moonstruck. I love her as an actress, but she's too big of a personality. Right. She's Cher. (laughs) Bridget Fonda, who would have been pretty young. Jennifer Jason Leigh. Huh. Okay. Madonna. I can't see her either because she's Madonna. It's sort of like Cher. Yeah. Julie Newmar, I don't know know. what they're thinking. I don't even know who that is. She played Catwoman in the TV show. Oh, okay. From the 60s. Oh, wow. (laughs) She was a bit older than Michael Keaton. Okay, I would think. Lena Olin, who I was not really familiar with, I guess some Swedish actress. Susan Sarandon, also, I, I don't know, I can't really picture that. Raquel Welch. Okay. Again, she would be significantly older than Keaton. I don't know that that's necessarily a problem. I know that we're kind of being misogynist pigs for suggesting that it would be a problem, but it does seem out of the box for what they were doing in Hollywood at the time. I think that's fair to say. And my favorite, Kim Basinger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that had they gone that route, hilarious. I think they would have just turned Vicky Vale into Catwoman. Yeah, I, I guess don't, so. I can't imagine that they would have just started from scratch and that acted would have been as if great. it didn't happen. I would have loved that. And as we mentioned in Batman, the most prominent candidate, the most known, was Sean Young, who was originally cast as Vale in Batman before she was injured. Young famously went to the Warner Brothers lot in a homemade Catwoman costume for an impromptu audition for Burton, who reportedly hid under his desk, although Keaton and producer Mark Canton briefly met with her. And then it got out because she herself shared video of her efforts with Entertainment Tonight, and Warner Brothers ultimately had to say that Young did not fit their vision for Catwoman. This is something that definitely has become infamous. I think it probably impacted her career. Yeah, it is a weird move. I think that if you pulled the curtain back and you found out what a lot of other actors and actresses have done for parts... And there's like a ton of hardcore lobbying that goes on. But the fact that this all became public was sort of embarrassing. Although it did seem like she did it to herself. Michelle Pfeiffer underwent a lot of kickboxing training. She got into super good shape. She mastered the use of the whip. And I would say within the last few years, there's been a video going around on film Twitter of her nailing a stunt. 
in one take. Oh wow! With the whip where she hits the mannequins' heads off. I she does that herself that. Okay. for real. Wow. She got a three million dollar salary, which was two more than they had offered to Benning. Okay. So was she, she reluctant or something? Just a bigger. I guess they felt like she time? was a bigger name. Yeah. The cat suit was so tight that the takes had to be limited because it affected her breathing. Wow. And Pfeiffer couldn't hear herself talk while wearing it, so Burton had to constantly get her to remodulate her voice because she was talking too loud sometimes because she literally couldn't hear herself. They should have put little holes where her ears were. It does seem like there were practical ways to fix that problem. I think they went through 60 suits for the movie and it cost like a thousand each or something so they were throwing a lot of money into it well they loved the look and who can blame them yeah it was definitely a big moment for a lot of pubescent and prepubescent boys (laughs) out there seeing this suit (laughs) yeah but it was also her whole demeanor too the way that she would say the dialogue Warner Brothers had to constantly submit new Catwoman posters for various cities as many of the bus stop ads were being stolen It got so bad that police officers had to patrol bus stops in order to catch perpetrators before they could break the plexiglass containers. The large-scale Catwoman bus ads are now worth a great deal of money. But the Catwoman character in Batman Returns becomes symbolic of the film's struggle to repeat the box office success of Batman. There was a lot of criticism for the film's darker tone and violent and or sexual elements, which seemingly alienated certain family audiences and led to a backlash against McDonald's for marketing the film towards children, including having a toy of the Catwoman character wearing her outfit with a whip, which I can definitely remember. I was a big McDonald's toy kid. Definitely. I miss that era of merchandising where it was to that level. Every big movie that came out, there was McDonald's toys, a video game. Things would just be everywhere. I remember the big plastic cups, Uh which was a big thing at McDonald's. This all was cited as a reason the film made around $150 million less than the 89 original. In response to that, Joel Schumacher was hired to direct the third film, Batman Forever, after the relative failure of Batman Returns to make the series more family-friendly. That caused Keaton to choose not to reprise his role, disagreeing with Schumacher's vision. Batman Forever was a financial success, but less well-received critically, and then that led into the fourth film, Batman and Robin, which was a failure both critically and commercially and is considered one of the worst (laughs) superhero films ever made. I'd say so. And its failure stalled the franchise until Nolan rebooted it eight years later with Batman Begins. Obviously such a refreshing take after coming off of Batman and Robin. For sure, yeah. It was a deliberately darker, grittier, more realistic choice, and... Even though now, and this is probably unpopular because I know a lot of people love it and think it's the best of the three, I do find Batman Begins the hardest to rewatch. I'm kind of with you on that, too. It's a little too slow-paced for me, but I remember seeing it four times in the theater thinking, holy shit, this is so awesome. Right. And then teasing the Joker for the sequel. And then Batman Begins was a, a relatively big hit, but not anything bigger than Batman Forever, really. Right. Batman, the first yeah. one. 
But then The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises both go over a billion dollars. Yeah, massive hits. And it becomes this huge thing. Although Robin was removed from the screenplay entirely, the character's development was far enough along that Marlon Wayans was cast in the role. Burton had specifically wanted an African-American Robin, and they did have costumes, sets, and action figures made. In a 1998 interview, Wayans said that he still received residual checks as part of the two-film contract he signed. Oh, good for him. Additionally, there were some early reports suggesting that Nicholson had been asked to return as the Joker, but refused to film in England because of the salary tax on foreign talent. Nicholson later denied being asked, however, believing that Warner Brothers would not want to replicate his generous compensation for Batman. That's probably fair. Unlike Batman, though, ultimately, Batman Returns was not filmed in England. It it was filmed in America, so all new sets were built. This meant abandoning the English sets used in Batman in favor of these new designs, which were much more closer to Burton's heart. He actually didn't really like Batman, which was far and away his most successful movie to Uh that point. But I don't think he had a ton of final say, which we touched on a bit. This does seem more his vision, that's for sure, visually. Of all the people they had to convince to come back, there was also Danny Elfman to do the score. He didn't really want to come back either just because he was annoyed that his music was supplemented and overshadowed by the Prince songs in the first film. This time, they do have a Susie and the Banshees song, but it's not a dominating thing. It's mostly Elfman's score. score. Which I think then they would go on to use these same pieces in the at least Batman Forever. I think so, yeah. So let's get into it. Right away, I found it to be sort of reminiscent of what Nolan would do as far as the Warner Brothers logo and how things open. Because you have that Warner Brothers logo over top of the snowy background right yes. at the start of the film, which I thought was pretty cool. We are in Gotham City, and we are in the past. Two wealthy socialites played by Paul Rubens and Diane Salinger. That's right. Pee-wee and Simone. Pee-wee and Simone. I definitely was waiting for it to happen after we discussed it on the Pee-wee Herman episode. They're dismayed at the birth of their malformed and feral son, Oswald, and they toss the infant into the sewers where he is adopted by a family of penguins. So right away, there's a lot to talk about. First (laughs) of all- You do love that this is the way to get rid of a kid. This is way darker- than it needed to be for 92. And they're already one-upping the rampant nihilism of Nicholson's Joker in terms of a bleak tone, having parents throw away, presumably to kill, their infant son just because he's born with some difficulties. Well, they're more like, we don't know what's going to happen. He's not coming back to live with us, we know that. A lot of penguins evidently living in the sewer, so you know that the movie's going to be good. They're not exactly dropping this baby off at a friggin' church or something or like a doorstep. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. They're trying to kill it. Yeah. Burton was disinterested in the original Penguin character and chose to go this route instead, which again, I think is fair. Warner Brothers mandated that they use the Penguin. They felt that after the Joker, the Penguin was the most iconic villain Surprising. in the Batman rogues gallery. I don't know if that's true or not. I guess it's pretty comparable between Catwoman, the Penguin, Riddler, after you get past the Joker. Yeah. It was always tough to have 
the Riddler be the villain immediately after the Joker. I would agree with that. There's a little bit too much similarity. Now, you didn't recognize Julie Newmar's name, but there was a potential Burgess Meredith cameo to be the Penguin's father who played the Penguin All in right. the Batman Love it. TV series. Mickey. But he fell ill and couldn't do it. Now we jump ahead 33 years later. We're still in Gotham City, and the Penguin evidently has become a local legend in the vein of the Jersey Devil or Bigfoot or something like that because Uh we're seeing the guys selling the newspapers talking about it. Just a local monster that could be a myth, but some people are buying its existence. Mulder and Scully on their way to Gotham to investigate (laughs) the existence of this penguin creature that lives under the city. That's hilarious. That would be an X-Files type character. Just like the start of the film, we're once again in the middle of the Christmas season. It starts with Gotham's light-up night. There's a woman who is essentially Gotham's beauty queen, referred to as the Ice Princess. I thought it was funny when she takes that coat off in front of the audience and they get, there's a big woo. <laughs> and her response is, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> Very proud of her figure, That's I guess. Right. Wealthy industrialist Max Shrek played by Christopher Walken, is pitching plans for a new power plant for the city. Max Shrek gets his name as an homage to the actor who played the original Nosferatu. However, they wanted Walken to emulate Vincent Price, although what movie they wanted him to mimic is unknown, but there was some specific performance that they were looking for. Okay, well, Walken to me seems to be bringing the Walken performance. I guess Burton didn't want to cast him because he was afraid of him, but... Makes sense. They got along, and then he ends up being in Sleepy Hollow, and he was actually cast in that 95 Superman that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. He was play Brainiac, maybe, something like that. We meet Shrek's secretary, Selina Kyle, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. She's sort of playing a worn-down, defeated person rather than a cat burglar. We'll get more into her character later. Someone who's lost her way in her confidence, maybe. A meek woman. Yes, fair to say. Between Penguin and Catwoman, Burton opts for the opposite approach that Nolan would take 13 years later with the start of his own trilogy, much more rooted in cartoonishness, supernatural stuff, impossibilities, really. Mm -hmm. Not even trying to explain some of this. Because I think Burton, who was not oh, yeah. a comic book fan, saw this all as a lark. It was right. all supposed to be weird and goofy. There well, wasn't any reason to explain how yeah. penguins would raise a child <laughs> in the middle of winter. Even when you watch Batman Begins and there's the, the Lucius Fox character and you're like, oh, that's where all this shit comes from. <laughs> there's nothing like that. No. We have with us tonight a man who really needs no introduction. He's given so much to our city. Will you welcome, please, Gotham's own Santa Claus, Max Shrek. Santa Claus, 
afraid not. I'm just a poor schmo, got lucky. And sue me if I want to give some back. I only wish I could hand out more than just expensive baubles. I wish I could hand out world peace and unconditional love wrapped in a big bowl. Max Shrek gives a big speech at the light-up night, but it's interrupted by the arrival of the Red Triangle Gang, a group of former circus workers connected to child disappearances across the country. I was losing it when he forgot his speech, and he turns back to tell it to one of his whatever assistants or someone from his crew that he forgot his speech, and then he goes, remind me to take it out on (laughs) what's-her-name. Well, we do find out that she forgot to give him the speech. Yeah. The Red Triangle Gang's motives are hard to decipher. They just cause a lot of chaos, mayhem, a lot of bullets and fire. It's all pretty confusing. But we learn that they've come for Shrek. The bat signal goes up. Batman arrives. He ends up saving Selina on the street from one of these evil clowns. When he walks away... Without responding to her, she makes the joke that it went about as well as her other interactions with men, and then says, what men? (laughs) This is a hard pill for me and Matt to swallow. (laughs) We talk about it pretty much through all 300 episodes of this podcast (laughs) when a beautiful woman is in a film and they have to act like they're not beautiful. And that no man would want to be with them. And Her level of self-deprecating humor, she's bombing herself twice in like two seconds. At least it's addressed somewhat, where she was originally going to go away for Christmas with some man who yeah. leaves a voice. So I, I had some questions about that scene. She keeps making jokes that no guys are interested, but it kind of seems like that was a boyfriend up until a certain point. Yeah, I think maybe they're more going for she's a doormat yeah. and lets people walk all over her. But they had to throw that in because it would be insane if no man was interested. Guess I shouldn't have beat him at racquetball. I do like whenever... Batman is Bruce Wayne, and he sees the bat signal at the beginning, and we just get casual Keaton with the turtleneck and the glasses and everything. (laughs) It's funny. But Selina picks up the taser from the clown. This is something that does not factor in until all the way till the end of the film, essentially, but she keeps that weapon. It's an afterthought, and you're like, oh, she does still have that taser. Despite Batman's arrival, Shrek is eventually abducted and brought to a hideout in the Arctic exhibit at the derelict Gotham Zoo. The Gotham Zoo itself is a lot of rusted-out metal sculptures of things and empty cages. Seems like it would have been a horrifying zoo to go to. Yeah, it's very A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, although also kind of seems like a miniature golf place. Yeah, you think you could maybe convert it that way. Yeah. (laughs) Our boy Oswald is now all grown up. He calls himself Penguin, although this gets confusing. 
because part of the movie ends up being about identity so much and there are certain points in the film where he rejects penguin to be oswald and then rejects oswald to become penguin again uh-huh. i'm probably gonna mix this all up doesn't really matter but whatever but he's saying all sorts of wild shit to max shrek what you put in your toilet i place on my mantle <laughs> what the fuck he does speak incredibly well for someone who grew up in the sewers. True. And it turns out he is the leader of the Red Triangle Gang. Hi. <laughs> I believe the word you're looking for is... This is all just a bad dream. You're at home in bed, heavily sedated, resting comfortably, dying from the carcinogens you've personally spewed in a lifetime of profiteering. Tragic irony or poetic justice? You tell me. My God, is true. Penguin Man, the sewer. as it may seem, Max. You and I have something in common. We're both perceived as monsters. But somehow, you're a well-respected monster. And I am, to date, not. Frankly, I feel it's a bum rap. I'm a businessman. Tough, yes. Shrewd, okay, but that does not make me a monster. Don't embarrass yourself, Max. I know all about you. What you hide, I discover. What you put in your toilet, I place on my mantle. Get the picture. What is that supposed to hypnotize me? No, just give you a splitting headache. It's not working. Why, you big baby. Just blanks. Would I go through all this trouble tonight just to kill you? No, Max. I have an entirely other purpose. I'm ready, Max. I've been down here too long. It's time for me to ascend, to reemerge. With your help, your know-how, your savvy. I wasn't born in the sewer, you know. I come from, like you, and like you, I want some respect, a recognition of my basic humanity, but most of all, I want to find out who I am by finding my parents, learning my human name, simple stuff that the good people of Gotham take for granted. And exactly why? Am I going to help you? Well... Let's start. A batch of toxic waste. 
from your clean textile plant. There's a whole lagoon of this crud in the back. That could have come from anywhere. What about the documents that prove you own half the fire traps in Gotham City? If there were such documents, that's not an admission. I would have seen to it they were shredded. Ah, uh, good idea. A lot of tape and a little patience make all the difference. By the way, how's Fred Atkins, your old partner? Fred? Fred's actually... I believe he's on extended vacation. He's, he's good. <laughs> good. Hi, <laughs> Max. Remember me? I'm Fred's hand. Hey, you want to greet any other body parts? Remember, Max. You flush it. I flaunt it. You know what, Mr. Penguin, sir? Perhaps I could help orchestrate a little welcome home scenario for you. Once we're both back home, perhaps we can help each other out. Hey, you won't regret this, Mr. Shrek. It's a very unflattering performance for Danny DeVito. Oh, There's a yeah. lot of padding in his costume, which makes his body look, look like a lumpy egg. Insane. Yeah, it's hard to look at. Also was kind of reminding me of my own body. If you combined me and Matt, yeah. <laughs> you'd get the penguin from this movie. <laughs> that hair is wild. Oh, yeah. A skullet. That's a straight right. skullet, huge nose, yeah. flipper fingers, yeah, and a moldy body. It's my body with your personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely some of the things he says. <laughs> Penguin blackmails Shrek with evidence of his corruption and murderous acts to compel his assistance in reintegrating Oswald into Gotham's elite. Always seems like it's going to be a tough sell. Especially when that black saliva is always running out of his mouth. <laughs> which I guess they used dyed mouthwash or something so that it okay. didn't taste horrible, but it looks horrible. Definitely. The leverage that Penguin has over Shrek is that he knows... Shrek murdered his old business partner. Penguin is able to produce an arm as proof, <laughs> yeah. and he reiterates what you just said by saying, you flush it, I flaunt it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this is a longer-term plan for him that he's been tracking Max Shrek's movements enough to have this over him. That's true, although because they have to set in motion his other plan, right, the one that will lead him into conflict with Batman... It does sort of suggest that this is all a ruse. That is true. But the movie's so confusing and convoluted, you don't really know if he's being genuine in his desire to integrate into higher society or if that's something he is tempted into. Because I think at one point in the film, he does want it, and then he feels rejected by them, which sets him off. I think if I was Max, I'd just be like, just shoot me, dude, because there is no way you're getting integrated. I don't want to be seen with you in public. <laughs> I would rather just be dead. Yeah. Selena returns to her apartment. Her whole pathetic vibe, of course, is very believable for someone that looks like Michelle Pfeiffer. After Shrek agrees to help Penguin out, Shrek catches Selena back at the office because she's returned there because she forgot some work. And it's just as she's inadvertently uncovering his actual plot 
for that power plant he was discussing at the beginning of the film, using it to siphon and hoard power from Gotham instead of generate power. So at this point, you must be thinking, hmm, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because of the way the film is structured, you definitely feel like Shrek is supposed to be the main villain. I'd say so. Until the point in the movie where he doesn't appear for like a half an hour. And then over time, Penguin becomes the main villain. But starting out with the whole... Definitely in this scene, though. Power plant thing is confusing. The movie is ludicrous. It it doesn't really make sense because you're not really sure what's happening at any given moment. I know. You can't tell what the Penguin's actual motivations are and they feel forced because they were added after the fact, essentially. And then the Shrek thing just complicates everything. What did curiosity do to the cat? I'm no cat. I'm just an assistant. A secretary. And a very good one. Too good? Mm. Listen, it's our secret. Honest. How can you be so mean to someone so meaningless? This power plant is my legacy. It's what I leave behind for Chip. Nothing must prevent that. Okay. Go ahead. Intimidate me. Bully me if it makes you feel big. I mean, it's not like you can just kill me. Actually, it's a lot like that. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, for a second there, you really frightened me. Shrek attempts to kill Selina by pushing her out of a window on the highest floor in his building. It's a pretty good jump scare, though, too, because they do do, like, the little fake out. Eh. Eh? Yeah. And then just pushes her yeah. out the window. Sending her to the street below, she crashes through the company's logo on those canopies, which happened to be a cat face for uh, some reason. Like a, a cartoony cat. A little too convenient, if you ask me. Yeah. She hits several of those before reaching the street, and then you would think not only would she be dead, it would probably be a mess. Yeah. Even falling through those canopies, it was way up. Like Martin Sheen in The Departed. Pretty much. But then dozens of stray cats surround her body, nibbling, licking, investigating, and suddenly Selena awakens, somehow surviving. Watching it this time, taking notes, paying attention to everything, It struck me as to how close to a zombie this all feels. True. Especially at first. Yeah. And there are times where her humanity shines back through, but she's almost like... That's like Jennifer's body. I would say, yeah, Jennifer's body is a good comp. I would almost say the police officer dad in Pet Cemetery 2. Oh, yeah. Played by what's-his-name from Shawshank? (laughs) Clancy Brown. But you know what I mean? 
where oh, yeah. he's weird and out of it before he starts murdering everyone. There's almost like a jovial weirdness to right. him. I don't know. Zombie Catwoman is an interesting idea. But it is such a weird choice that for her to become Catwoman, several cats lick her back to life. <laughs> yeah. I don't really get it. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. She returns home in a daze, has a strong thirst for milk. She destroys all of her childish possessions and her pink, traditionally feminine apartment. I will say, when I see her apartment, I do kind of get the dudes not being interested thing. Yeah, I think she's stuck in suspended animation. She's not really like an adult, even though she has a job and an apartment, but her stuff is very immature and goofy. It's got like pink neon signs. Yeah, it says hello there, and she knocks out the O and the T. Hell here. (laughs) Which is something you think is deep when you're a child. Sure. When Waters came in to rework the story and rewrite the script that Ham had been working on, he changed Ham's fetishy sexual fantasy femme fatale to a working-class disenchanted secretary, writing her as an allegory of contemporary feminism. And I buy that. I think that there is this anger with this character, this rage that has been building under the surface, and I do think that you could take this version of Selena Kyle and transport her to 2022, and it fits in. I think so. You would probably up some of the bullshit that she goes through, but she goes through a decent amount in this movie. Oh, she's definitely in an abusive relationship with her boss, that's for sure. (laughs) I'm like, she goes through a decent amount. She was murdered murdered by her boss, (laughs) by the way. But before that, he was a dick, too. Selena begins crafting a costume, and this plays into one of the underlying themes of the film, which is the fantasy of who we yearn to be. Whatever happened to her, where she's dead and then reanimated by the cats, she's now decided to throw out all of her inhibitions and become what she wants to be in her mind. That's right. Now there's cats everywhere, a lot of cats going on. She almost seems to be attracting cats at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Miss Kitty, but I feel so much yummier. Shrek orchestrates a staged attempted kidnapping of the mayor's first infant child, allowing Oswald to rescue it and become a public hero. By the way, a lot of events go on at this town square. Right in front of City Hall. Yeah. This incident gets the attention of Bruce Wayne. I'll also point out 35-plus minutes into the film, and Batman, barely a factor to this point. Right. It's almost as if they wrote that beginning tree lighting ceremony because they thought, oh, we have to get Batman in here immediately. Right. Because there's not a lot for him to do in the first 35 minutes of this film. True. we got to meet our, our villains here. The clown who does the fake kidnapping is played by Gregory Scott Cummins, who plays Mac's dad. On It's Always Sunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's also in the classic film, Hack-O-Lantern. That's right. And he actually has a line or two here, doesn't he? Because yeah. he's yelling down in the sewer. Waters and Burton not only agreed to make Penguin more animalistic, they also decided to make him a tragic figure abandoned by his parents, which is a reflection of Batman's own childhood trauma. Oswald's quote-unquote heroism gets him undisturbed access to the city's birth records, ostensibly to learn his true identity. However, what he's actually doing is identifying all of Gotham's firstborn sons. 
cue eye roll mm-hmm. <laughs> because I I don't get it. I know. Not oh, for okay. me. Yeah. Batman does some research. He traces this mystery man to an aquatic bird boy in the Red Triangle Circus. Okay. What are these research archives that he's parsing through? Microfiche. Yeah. <laughs> A microfiche database. That's right. So Bruce Wayne is suspicious. He doesn't buy this shit. There can only be one beloved orphan in this city, pal. <laughs> Definitely getting some jealous vibes. That's right. As soon as he found out this stuff about the Penguin's parents, he's had to start snooping around to discredit him. Oh, yeah. I do enjoy the Penguin's big show at the cemetery where he's right. pretending to be mourning his parents and putting his arms up into the air, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's performance art. I was their number one son, but they treated me like number two. <laughs> Like, so stupid. Yeah, there's definitely some corny jokes and weird sexual yeah. innuendo and all kinds of weird stuff in this movie. That's like the best. The fact that I watched this movie at such a young age, not understanding any of the dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when we watch movies as kids that are a little bit more aimed at adults. We yeah. never know what the fuck is going on. Exactly. But we watch them anyway. Like, I remember all the key action scenes, but anything that anybody's saying at any given point, you're like, I, I don't know. To be fair, though, you're still kind of like That's that. true. Yeah, you have to explain it to me afterwards. It's like, oh, I didn't get that. The Penguin does seem to win over the people of Gotham, though. People do love a comeback story. Meanwhile, Selina adopts the alter ego of Catwoman and announces her presence with authority by saving a woman who is on the verge of being raped, maybe? I'm not really sure what's happening. So, Mr. Penguin, a penguin is a bird that cannot fly. I am a man. I have a name. Oswald Cobblepot. Mr. Cobblepot, you never get a chance to settle up with him, huh? True. I was their number one son, and they treated me like number two. But it's human nature to fear the unusual. Perhaps when I held my Tiffany baby rattle with a shiny flipper instead of five chubby digits, they freaked. But I forgive them. Bingo for his parents. I'm fully at peace with myself and the world. Don't need as long as you got heart. My heart is filled with love. I feel five feet tall. He's like a frog, but became a friend. No, he's more like a big one. Hey, now, now. Pretty little Nice. Yeah. I just love a big, strong man who's not afraid to show it with someone half his size. Be gentle, it's my first time. Thanks. You make it so easy, don't you? Always waiting for some bad man to save you. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. 
I will say that Selena is a tad victim blamey. Okay, that's She's not fair. exactly one hundred percent an ally in these situations. <laughs> you make it so easy for them. Yeah. But she has a chip on her shoulder, that's for sure. That's right. She's damaged at this point. Selena returns to work. Shocking Shrek. I think this is one of the best parts in the entire movie. I think this is such a great angle that she just shows back up to work acting like nothing happened. And catching the eye of the visiting Bruce Wayne, who was pushing back on Shrek's power plant plan. Who'd have thought Selena had a brain to damage? Selena is now confident and aggressive and completely reborn. When asked about what happened, she plays it coy, saying it's all a blur. Launches into this whole story about some nun that she was in school with, and then she says, I remember the day I forgot to wear my underpants to school, and I remember the name of the boy who noticed. He's dead now. (laughs) Which is a funny thing to say. Yeah, I did enjoy that. It was a little bit like the Joker's scars stories in Dark Knight, where you're like, is this real? (laughs) Bruce recognizes her from saving her on the street but almost gets things confused and then he says i mistook me for someone else mm-hmm. which is sort of funny it's a little on the nose but sure i liked it because of course at this point selena doesn't know that he's batman the oddest part though is how shrek mostly just rolls with it <laughs> he is kind of no selling the fact that he knows that he murdered this woman and she's here yeah it's one of those goofy movies that Burton would sort of dabble in a lot in his career where there's no real way for her to have survived this fall, but you just kind of have to accept it and keep rolling with it because it's that world. I think the normal reaction would be to freak the fuck out if you're Shrek. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Immediately packing your bags and leaving town. Instead, his response is to accept the fact that she's returned to work and can i get a coffee allow her to keep working yeah shrek's big elaborate plan is to push oswald to run for mayor and discredit the incumbent by having red triangle wreak havoc throughout gotham shrek believes that by recalling the mayor he will eliminate his staunchest opposition to his power plant you just have to go with whatever they're telling us to go with here yeah the logistics are never clear They're going to do a recall in December after the election was just in November. This guy's going to be a candidate for mayor? (laughs) They're planning on capitalizing on his newfound celebrity and popularity. Some image consultants are brought in and thrust upon Oswald. Oh, yeah. Steve Whitting as Josh and Jan Hooks as Jen, also a Pee Wee's Big Adventure alum returning here. In a brief moment. A little bit of a Hannibal Lecter type situation going on here. Shrek lures Oswald into the room by dangling a fish in front of his face. (laughs) I was like, this is cruel. And gross. Yeah. Oswald ends up biting Josh's nose. Mm -hmm. Blood spraying everywhere. It looks great. (laughs) All of the uh, campaign workers are horrified, but Shrek makes them go back to work. (laughs) But the way the blood is spattering out, I was like, wow, that looks really cool. Now there would be a cell phone video of this that would get online. Oh, yeah, and that campaign real quick. Or would it? I don't know. (laughs) Not in today's world. It's hard to tell now. People would be, like, getting behind this guy for the tragic figure reasons. Actually, Shrek was brilliant. Right after he bites that guy's nose, then he's looking over at Jen and saying, I'd like to fill her void. I know. (laughs) 
One thing that you can't overstate at any point about Batman Returns is how fucking horny the Penguin is. I know, he never stops talking about it. Well, you get it, it though. <laughs> For real, this guy's been in a tunnel? Or in the sewers? Well, I guess he was in the circus. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I gotta tell you, I don't think a lot of those girls in the circus were looking his way. Well, he does become the leader of the gang. That is true. Batman gets involved as the Red Triangle gang members terrorize the streets of Gotham, mostly blowing up stores. It seems like their big move. While Catwoman prowls the night on her own. This is when she goes into Shrek's department store and whips the heads off of those mannequins, which she was able to do. As I mentioned, Pfeiffer did a lot of her own stunts because she learned how to do everything with the whip. Respectable. The security guards are hilarious. <laughs> they pull their guns, and then she whips the guns out of their hands, and then the one guy's like, look, don't hurt us, lady. <laughs> we don't make any money. <laughs> you and me. They immediately back down. Yeah. To go along with the darker tone of this film, they go full on into something that is at least hinted at in Batman, which is Batman out here openly killing MFs all over the place. He Definitely. fucking straps a bomb to a guy <laughs> and drops him off down into a building or something. Well, criminals are overpopulated in Gotham. They definitely took the idea of Batman not killing anybody and leaving everyone for the police and just threw it out the window. They felt like it didn't really fit anymore in the world. Although there is a major contradiction to this later in the movie, which I'll mention when we get there. But with the feel of the movie, any murder just sort of feels goofy. Oh, yeah. It's not like ultra bloody or gory or (laughs) anything. He's like ripping throats out. (laughs) (laughs) I used to fuck guys like you in prison. (laughs) Except it's the penguin, and he says, I used to fuck guys like you in the sewer. (laughs) Batman and Penguin finally meet face-to-face, but then Catwoman crashes the party, blowing up Shrek's store. Yeah, really, a lot of commercial real estate in bad shape throughout this movie. Who is she? What is she? I don't know whether to open fire or fall in love. (laughs) You poor guys, always confusing your pistols with your privates. Don't hurt us, lady. Our take-home's less than 300. You're overpaid. Hit the road. the devastation upstanding mayor stuff you're not the mayor 
things change. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. <laughs> you don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. So here we go. Batman chooses to follow Catwoman to the Gotham rooftops, and she comes out swinging. Yep, and the movie gets real good. Yeah, the scenes between Batman and Catwoman are electric, and they're really what keeps you invested in what's going on at all times, even if you can't figure out the motivations and plans of certain characters. Yeah, you can just watch these two flirt and beat the shit out of each other for hours. He does fight back, and the first time that he hits her, she plays the woman card, and he completely falls for it. Oh, yeah, she's got him wrapped around her finger. They each both almost fall to their deaths, but are saved by the other. How could you? I'm a woman. I'm sorry, I... I... As I was saying, I'm a woman and can't be taken for granted. Life's a bitch, now so am I. Kitty litter. <laughs> oh, bastard. She does end up falling off of the building, though, and she's saved by falling into kitty litter, which I think would probably kill her, too. But then they really start to play up the whole nine lives thing. Penguin declares his intentions to run for mayor. Much to the horror of Gotham. Barely able to conceal his horniness. <laughs> hitting on his campaign staffers, groping them by putting buttons on their chest. Oh, yeah. A lot of them switching candidates to work for. Political and social satire was something that Burton and Waters also decided to add, and they were influenced by two episodes of the 1960s television series Batman. The name of those episodes (laughs) are His Honor the Penguin, H-I-Z-Z-O-N-E-R, the Penguin, and Dishonor, the Penguin, spelled essentially the same way, D-I-Z-H-O-N-N-E-R, in which the Penguin does run for mayor. Well, that's fun. 
Except in the Batman TV show, he wasn't a circus freak. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. With black goo coming out of his mouth at all time and biting people's noses yeah. off. Catwoman shows up in Penguin's living quarters above his campaign office. The Penguin's response, just the pussy I've been looking for. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> I know, some of the dialogue is insane. Although, one of the things with the Penguin running for mayor, one of the themes of the movies is a line from earlier... The quest to become a respected monster. Yeah. And I think they talk about it with Shrek, but Penguin, a much more physical embodiment of that with him running for mayor. But then Batman kind of has that going on too. Yeah, I think in one of the original versions of the script, I think even one of the ones that Waters was working on, not even the Sam Hamm one. Yeah, it definitely was because they invented Shrek, Waters did. So... Yeah, they originally were toying with the idea of having Shrek be the favored son. Mm, Yes. The brother to Oswald. They ended up eliminating that, but I actually think that would have been interesting to go that route. It would have tied the two motivating factors together a little bit more. It would have been harder to get to all of that, though, to explain that, because I think they really wanted to do the thing with the parents dumping the baby off. So then how do you get to the fact that he's his brother? Right. I guess his last name could be the same and. Maybe the Penguin legitimately doesn't know his name at the beginning. But whatever. I do think that could have been interesting. But yeah, that's sort of what you're saying, because they are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, well, they... One is physically a monster, and one is everything else a monster. And with Penguin, there's a little bit of what they always would do with Joker and his relationship with Batman, this sort of goading that would go on about how... You're just a freak like me, which is the yeah. Dark Knight thing. Uh, ultimately, when we we're gonna get into that in a second. Yeah. Okay. Their plan is been done to death. Right. In so many versions of Batman. That's all they ever come up with. I know. When Catwoman and Penguin are having their big meeting here, Pfeiffer really puts that live bird in her mouth, and she later said that she really didn't consider the risk of injury or disease. Yeah. And now she would never do that. Right. But in the moment, she thought the fake birds looked too fake. So she put the real bird in her mouth. Yikes. But that's dedication to the role. She also gives herself a bath by licking the... I guess it's supposed to be leather, but it's more like pleather yeah. outfit she wears, which... Oof. That sends a shiver down your spine, just thinking of your tongue drying out and, like, going along that i'm getting like a chill it was sending me a shiver in a different way yeah well it's kind of hot but (laughs) no it is weird i feel like your tongue would just be like oh yeah the basic idea that they come up with that we were alluding to is that catwoman and penguin plan to disgrace batman and make him seem just like them a freak criminal outlaw always familiar ground right they get to that eventually in the dark night mm-hmm. but i think every iteration of batman flirts with this in some way because he is a vigilante and you always have to go back to that would a city really put up with this especially if he messes up one time or right. does something wrong one yeah. time because he's working outside the law and if batman returns you could make the case that it's actually heightened even further because like i said he's killing guys uh-huh. and doesn't seem to give a fuck by the way, is this Commissioner Gordon the same guy from... I thought I it was. I think so, but he's barely in it. I know. Get ready for some weird, random, and convoluted shit, because the <laughs> plot 
is certainly not what makes this movie cool, but now we really have to get into what they're all doing. It gets very weird and bizarre. And if it wasn't such a fun vibe with fun performances, this is the point of the movie where you would probably lose interest. Mm -hmm. Because it goes on a little too long. I think this movie could be 15 or 20 minutes shorter easily. They fake you out with a couple of moments that seem like they're the climax, and then it just keeps going with more. And then the specifics of what's going on seem to change every minute or two. All of a sudden... There's a new plan happening, and right. then different shit is happening. It's, it's weird. And I think when you're a kid, or even an adult who's not paying super close attention, a lot of this stuff washes over you, and you just let it happen. But when you're doing this movie for a podcast, and you're taking notes and paying attention, you're thinking, what the fuck is happening now? <laughs> you read back your notes, and you're like, this is the movie? Oswald's big thing now in order to get the ball rolling on the mayoral recount or recall vote, I guess, is that he's going to challenge the mayor to relight the Christmas tree, which was destroyed by the Red Triangle gang back at the beginning of the film. All of a sudden, we're recreating some of the same set pieces from the movie. On local television, the Penguin straight up requests Batman show up to preserve the peace. Bruce Wayne, who at this point now completely does not trust the penguin and believes him to be the leader of the red triangle gang sitting at home watching tv saying subtle <laughs> however bruce and selena hit it off as bruce and selena not as batman and catwoman and he invites her to an early dinner date before the tree lighting this is one of only two instances in the film where we actually reference vicky vale right and it becomes really the only real connection as far as the story of the first movie man if kim basinger was cast as selena kyle and they did this scene that would be hilarious yeah they do have a pretty hot kiss they're both going for it but they both accidentally almost reveal their war wounds to each other right you said it the chemistry is undeniable here but when you think about it they could just make up an easy lie because they wouldn't know that the other person is the other person. Right. So it's yeah. not like they would know that revealing the wounds would be a dead giveaway, but whatever. It's both, fun for the audience. Both ultimately use Alfred to make excuses for their sudden need to leave in a hurry. Although hers is hilarious when she's saying whatever, and then she's just like, I don't know, could you make up a sonnet? <laughs> a dirty limerick? Yeah. One has just sprung to mind. The reason they're both secretly rushing off to the relighting of Gotham's Christmas tree is that it's reported the Ice Princess has been abducted, which means Oswald has already started the big plan on his own. He's taken the Ice Princess and attempted to frame Batman for the crime. I love that the police chief is holding up bloody evidence on TV. <laughs> it's a batarang. Yeah which the Penguin has planted. He actually used it, but it's supposed to look like Batman did. I don't know what it is, but I love when they walk by like the newspapers and like the one headline is, Batman blows it. <laughs> <laughs> Both Bruce and Selina see this on TV and then have to rush off. It's sort of fun to compare Batman's prep versus Catwoman's. Batman shoots down into the Batcave. He's got a closet full of those suits. It's all very organized. Very wealthy, very that's right. Put together, and then Selena is driving while trying to pull out 
that costume. I know. And she's like in her shitty car, scrambling to get dressed. I was like, how woman. the hell is she putting this on while driving? It's a lot less glamorous when you look at it like that. The truth of how you get into that costume. Well, yeah, and imagine like having to go to the bathroom. That's a whole production. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how you. It seems like it's all one piece. I, I think so. So she has to get completely nude to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Well, I'm thankful that you're putting that image into our heads. (laughs) The Red Triangle gang somehow are able to mess with the Batmobile once Batman parks it in downtown Gotham. They just introduced that these guys have this device that can basically deactivate the shields on the Batmobile. Believe it or not, the technology in this film is not that well explained throughout (laughs) the entire thing. And it gets even worse as it goes. They're always jamming signals and... Doing new signals and controlling live penguins. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on. You know what's really going to be beneficial to our plan? The fact that we just have this wand that can let us do whatever we want to the Batmobile. It's a magic wand. Yeah. One of the clowns is played by Travis McKenna, who you would know as the heavy set bouncer from Roadhouse. Oh. His character name, Fat Clown. There you go. I've been called Fat Clown a few times. <laughs> I've been called it tonight. Yeah, just berating you before we started recording. <laughs> you fat clown. <laughs> Batman arrives to save the Ice Princess, who is tied to a chair on the top floor of a high-rise building, which is seemingly an abandoned building. I'm not really sure. Maybe just an abandoned floor. However, Catwoman intervenes and takes the woman to up to the roof, luring Batman to follow. She let me go. I think because I reasoned with her girl to girl. Be careful. Don't move. Long dark! Rats with wings do your thing! Hey, Batman, push the princess! Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Mm, But a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. You're the second man who killed me this week. But I've got seven lives left. I tried to save you. Mm, It seems like every woman you try to save ends up dead. (laughs) Or deeply resentful. Maybe you should retire. Oswald uses bats to knock the Ice Princess off of the roof, which causes her to go all the way down to her death, landing on the button to light up the tree, causing more bats to emerge. People look up and see Batman on the roof where she fell, somehow, because the building seems 
insanely high up, but whatever. I know. And thus, he is framed. Catwoman did not appreciate the murder. No. Though she certainly didn't seem too broken up about it. And as I was doing the notes, I was thinking, well, I know that you weren't thrilled, but you are essentially culpable. I think you'd be catching a charge for this as well. Absolutely. She does express mild displeasure with the fact that that was part of the plan and she didn't know it. Yeah, it would be a tough sell if Anne Hathaway in The Dark Knight Rises straight up killed Juno Temple. An innocent person, <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, Batman and Catwoman get together. I'd be here for it still, but I know what you mean. The bigger deal is that she flatly rejects Oswald's romantic advances, so he puts a helicopter umbrella around her neck, which takes her up into the sky high above Gotham. Huh. She ends up falling through a glass house on top of another building. Using up another life, I guess. A lot of time spent on rooftops. Yeah, and a lot of random gadgets that are never explained. and It's a lot to follow. Everything keeps changing. Who's on whose side? What's happening? I I don't know. In the prelude to this, though, Batman and Catwoman have another little fight. And the sexual chemistry is off the charts. She's licking his face. By the way, Uh a big percentage of Selena's face is visible in her mask. Her and Bruce were just together making out on his couch. I know it's a little bit of a hack thing to bring up, but how the fuck does he not know who she is? Because <laughs> her mask like doesn't cover that much of her face. Right. Really. But whatever. Maybe it's one of those things where it's so unexpected that you just don't see it. Yeah. Well, there's an argument to be made that they do both just know. No, there isn't. There's no <laughs> argument. <laughs> Very well. Well, that would just lessen the scene at the ball, which I think is a great scene. Mm -hmm. Again, the nine lives thing. If you're keeping track how many she's actually lost, I don't know. And I'm not sure if the first one counts or if she doesn't get the nine lives until after she's zombified. I don't know. That's a fair point. Batman escapes in the Batmobile, unaware that the Red Triangle has modified it. Well, I don't think he thought this was possible allowing Oswald to take it on a remote-controlled rampage. The way that they do this with his remote <laughs> so control thing stupid. being like one of those 25-cent rides outside of the grocery store that yeah. little kids sit on, that's his thing to control it. It's so weird. I know. And obviously, that's another thing that's just for the visual impact of it. Before regaining control, Batman is able to record Oswald's derogatory tirade aimed at Gotham citizens. This is like the James Bond villain revealing his plan type thing. So the next day, he's able to play the audio at Oswald's mayoral rally, exposing him and ruining his image. That was a short-lived campaign. The crowd turns on him immediately and begins chucking vegetables and eggs and shit at him. And at least (laughs) they had the awareness. Grocery shopping before this. Yeah, they at least had the self-awareness to make a joke where the the penguins like. Why is it someone always brings vegetables and eggs to a rally? (laughs) DeVito did not want to stand in, so it's really him getting pelted with all of the food. It's great. A lot of committed acting going on in this movie. His response is to open fire on the crowd with an umbrella machine gun. I can imagine his mayoral candidate strategist hearing the audio come out over saying all of those things and thinking, okay, maybe we can fix this. It's not that bad. We could say it's an impersonal. And then all of a sudden he starts shooting. Okay, well, probably not now. (laughs) I think the campaign is over. (laughs) 
Oswald retreats back to the Gotham Zoo. He's pursued by the police, who essentially give up pretty easily. Well, they don't cross into the zoo territory. <laughs> the zoo is a wasteland. Yeah. Oswald forsakes his humanity completely and fully embraces the name Penguin again. He also initiates his plan to abduct and kill Gotham's firstborn sons to avenge his own abandonment. My babies! Did you miss me? Okay, so a lot of questions about this. <laughs> yeah, please. First of all, the logistics. As you mentioned early in this podcast, the Red Triangle Gang doesn't seem to have that many members. So to kill every firstborn son in the city... This is like a Santa Claus thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't really see how it's possible. But also, the question arises, up to what age? True. For the brief brief moment that they actually start to do this plan before uh-huh. it stopped we're only talking about infants and toddlers but right. the reality is okay well, do teenagers count do adults count they can still be a firstborn son yeah can a 98 year old man be a firstborn son i don't know well i think the gang members would be taking a little bit more of a beating if they were just trying to abduct middle-aged men the only person who pushes back fat clown Killed immediately. R.I.P. Fat Clown. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what it's going to say on my tombstone. <laughs> the jokes write themselves sometimes. R.I.P. Fat Clown. <laughs> that night happens to be the night of Shrek's annual charity ball, or Max Arade, as he calls it, or Max Carade. I'm not really sure. It's a masquerade ball. Bruce attends, hoping to see Selena there. And I love this detail. It's so obvious. It's so subtle. It's so simple. I don't know how you would say it. <laughs> to some people, it's obvious. To some people, it's subtle. But they're the only two not wearing costumes. Right. And I like that. Is it the most genius thing I've ever seen in a movie? No. Sometimes it's, very it's just right, though. Yes. But yeah, it's perfect. Because I think they recreate this scene in The Dark Knight Rises, and I believe they're both wearing masks in that scene. Are the, they not? There's a similar... Yes. <laughs> yeah, when... Catwoman goes full Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. 
in The Dark Knight Rises. Bruce says something to the effect of, it would be very hard for me, something like that. And then as she's pressing up against him dancing, she quips semi-hard, I'd say. <laughs> I was stunned. <laughs> yeah. Real cheeseball shit here. Not You're... that I didn't laugh. Oh, but yeah. I was thinking, my God, really? <laughs> I was stunned to hear semi-hard be <laughs> utilized. It is a great scene, though. I do enjoy it. Selena brings a gun to kill Shrek, but Bruce stops her. And then in doing so, they both inadvertently reveal their true identities to each other, where they recreate dialogue about the mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. Yes. And a kiss is deadly if you mean it. And as I said, that was not a mistake. They reveal their true identities. Yes. Yes, Batman and Catwoman are their true identities. That's at least how I take it. Uh Uh-huh. Listen, I'm sorry about yesterday, but I had a pretty big deal come through, fall through action. It's okay, I had to go home and uh, feed my cat. <laughs> so, uh, no hard feelings, then. Actually, semi-hard, I'd say. What do you say? You take off our costumes. I guess I'm tired of wearing masks. Me too. Let me ask you something. Why'd you come tonight? You first. See you. That's lovely. And I really wish I could say the same, but I came for Max. Not you and Max. <laughs> no. no, this and Max. No, don't give me a killing Max. Won't solve anything speech because it will. Aren't you tired of this sanctimonious Robert Baron always coming out on top when he should be six feet under? <laughs> with your boss, but I mean, who the hell do you think you are? I don't know anymore, Bruce. A kiss under the mistletoe. Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. I guess it can be even deadly. Oh my god. Does this mean we have to start fighting? Let's go outside. But there's more. At this point, the scenes seem almost disconnected from each other because it's impossible to follow what the fuck is going on. More commercial real estate being severely damaged. They bring up the whole thing about Penguin running for mayor. They run with it for about 30 or 40 minutes, and then it, it just moves on to something else pretty quickly. Penguin abruptly crashes the party to kidnap Shrek's doofus son, Chip, 
who's really not been in the film that much, but he's at the beginning and he's like, Dad. Yeah. It's one of those generic <laughs> right. yeah. 80s goonish Dope. people. Probably has a sweater vest. Yes. He's like Andy's creep boyfriend in The Goonies. Uh-huh. The one from our opening. Right. Andy. <laughs> Yo, Goonie. I could see Chip saying that. Absolutely. He does have that voice. But Shrek, in a bizarre, inexplicable move, offers himself instead of Chip. I got to tell you, Chip's life hardly seems worth saving. An offer Penguin accepts. So Shrek is portrayed as the true villain in a lot of ways. He's the most realistic. He would be what the real villains are like in society, which I think is the whole point of his character Uh because the Penguin and Catwoman are larger than life, not real. But then you have him do this, and so you're almost expecting there to be some ulterior motive, but there really isn't. He just straight up offers himself instead of his son. Penguin accepts it and takes him away. After some convincing. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get why you give this to Shrek after he already murdered a woman. I guess it's, I think to. it's really just to have Christopher Walken in the movie longer. Yeah, to set up a final yeah. scene where everyone's going to be involved. But but then why not just have him show up to take Shrek? I know. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's weird. Penguin takes Shrek back to the zoo lair and puts him in a big cage. Meanwhile, Batman quickly shuts down the Red Triangle's attempted child abduction train, which was going on during this. This is all some goofy-ass shit here, because then he sends Penguin an RSVP-style note telling him the children aren't coming, and it's delivered by a monkey. (laughs) I get that this monkey was with that one guy who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Who plays the teacher? Right. Who switched to Sanka? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. He's one of the evil guys and he has the monkey. But if you're just describing this as we are or not paying super close attention, you're thinking, what's happening now? There's a monkey delivering a note from Batman to the penguin? Yeah, you do just have to go with it. So instead, the penguin quickly pivots to a plan B. He deploys his missile-equipped penguin army to destroy Gotham. And it's at this point that you're like, I think I'm ready to shut this off. We've reached a new (laughs) peak in insanity when this moment comes along. It'd be a bad call because, again, the Catwoman stuff I think is really great, especially what comes up with her and Shrek and the whole thing at the end. But, yeah, I do think the penguin idea is cool. I actually like... Their and incarnation. I like the performance by DeVito, but it yeah. just goes so far into this goofy shit where you're thinking, what the fuck? The penguins with the rockets on the back does have a fun aesthetic to it, like just watching them all kind of waddle out with rockets on their backs. But you are like quickly, like, okay, this is what this has devolved into. As the penguins are set to destroy the city, Alfred overrides the penguin's control signal and redirects them back to Gotham Zoo. More technology bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. This is a rough beat. It's just make up whatever you want is how the technology works in this movie. And it's unnecessary, too, because they could have just stuck with the firstborn thing until the end. Right. And had that go a little farther. Instead, they introduce it. It's something he's been doing since he first came out of the sewer because there's that scene where he's sitting in the public records office by himself and Batman drives by just to check on him and see what's going on. That's early in the movie. So you have the entire movie he's been putting this together 
and it ends in a minute. Yeah. Okay, so now we have this other thing now where fucking rockets are strapped to penguins. People are going to be like, man, these guys must have this as like a two-star movie or something. It's like no, no less than four stars. <laughs> it's in my four favorites yeah. on Letterboxd right now. <laughs> no, I do love this movie, yeah, yeah. but some of this shit is inexcusable. Right. It's so stupid. <laughs> there is a moment where the penguins shoot some rockets at batman and he's in the bat wing or something underground i'm not even sure what is he in a boat or, or i was like is this the bat hovercraft yeah i don't know he changes vehicles up i'm not really Definitely. sure what's going on it does seem like he's lucky that it's just the right size to be in this sewer tunnel there's a lot of material in the film with penguin riding around this giant rubber ducky which seems yes. to be left over from the zoo but it's like an all-terrain vehicle <laughs> It can go in water, it can go on land, right. it can rise up out of the sewers somehow, which I don't even know how that happened. Yeah, this, is, this is like the soundstage magic stuff. Also, his attire at this point just seems to be a clumpy, uh-huh. long john underwear. He's really he's given up. Now. Yeah. <laughs> no more, he's turned into his suits. It's He's gone for a more of an athleisure look. Yeah. Penguin tries to flee, Batman stops him, there's a brief... Very brief fight, because obviously the penguin's not going to win. Yeah, that is the thing about the penguin. He's never really that threatening of a villain. Well, a lot of the villains are like that, though. Yeah. I don't really think that the Joker is supposed to be able to beat up Batman. No. It's all about how crazy they are, or their intellect, or things like that. This is also convoluted, and I'm not sure what we're supposed to make of it, because Batman has that detonator... They fight, it it falls, and then the penguin is the one that pushes the detonator button for some reason. But he knows that all of the penguins have returned to the zoo. So is he doing that as like a suicide mission, trying to kill him and Batman? I don't know what he's thinking. As the missiles destroy the zoo, Batman unleashes a swarm of bats, which makes Penguin fall into the contaminated waters of the Arctic exhibit. A lot of bats being used as weapons... In the film, both bats and penguins, yeah. not really loving Batman using bats as a weapon. I don't know. Yeah. It's and okay. I don't mean a baseball bat, people. <laughs> that would be more fun. That would be Harley Quinn's gimmick. Right. In the confusion and chaos, Shrek tries to escape out of the cage, but Catwoman arrives intending to kill him. Unbeknownst to her, Shrek grabs a gun in the water. Batman pleads with Catwoman to abandon her vengeance and go home with him. He's been taking his mask off. But she rejects this idea. Well, the hypocrisy of this fucking guy. Yeah, I know. He's been killing bad guys left and right in this movie. People far less evil than Shrek. Right. She's just getting started, and he's trying to put an end to it. She has a legitimate beef with this motherfucker who pushed her out a fucking window. I know. This would be like her, Bruce finds his parents' killer, and she's like, no, we gotta go home. She's like, Bruce... This is I meow on your grave. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting my revenge. Right. As you mentioned, Batman even rips his mask off, which kind of makes me think his suits are shitty. Agreed. It was very easy for him to just tear it. Definitely. It totally seems like if he was shot in the head, it's going straight through the It's like a Hulk Hogan t-shirt circa 1988. But it also made me question the material and how he gets into these suits. It also seems like it's a one piece. (laughs) Yeah. I think in real life, Keaton requested that they modify the suit in a bunch of ways, and one of the ways was to make it easier to go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah. 
He officially reveals himself as Bruce Wayne, although at this point, Selina already knew it. Shrek, on the other hand, his mind is blown. <laughs> Why are you dressed up as Batman? My zombie secretary is Catwoman, because he's just finding that out. And now Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, mind blown. Bruce Wayne? I can't do it walking. Why am I even yeah. pretending? <laughs> His reaction to finding out that Selena is Catwoman is just, just to say, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> the dickhead boss straight to the end. Shrek shoots Batman and then puts four bullets into Catwoman, but she is seemingly unaffected. She claims she has two of her nine lives remaining. She then uses the taser she picked up in the beginning of the movie to kiss Shrek while grabbing a power line, electrocuting both of them and apparently killing them both as well. And it looks really cool. It is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't want to shut it off. You got to just get through the penguins with rockets because the Selena stuff is always cool. The whole thing with the taser and the kiss is the coolest shot of the whole movie. Selena. Don't you see? We're the same. We're the same. Split. Picked up the center. Because he is Batman, you moron. Was. You killed me. The penguin killed me. Batman killed me. That's three lives down. You got enough in there to finish me off? One way to find out. After the explosion, Batman can only find Shrek's charred remains, though. Penguin emerges from the water even more vile than before, but he dies from his injuries before he can get to Batman. This is hilarious. This is unintentionally hilarious. His body is laid to rest in the water by his loyal penguins, (laughs) 
who don't they just sort of guide his corpse right. into the water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometime later, while Alfred drives him home, Bruce sees Catwoman's silhouette slinking down an alley, but he finds only an actual cat, which he ends up taking with him. The movie then ends with the bat signal being projected up into the snowy sky above Gotham as Catwoman pokes her head up, looking on. And now with this ending, we're like, oh man, this series is going to continue. Catwoman's going to be back in the mix. This this worked so well. No. Before we get into the Catwoman stuff, I did want to mention that the production wanted to use king penguins, but the only tame ones in captivity were at a bird sanctuary in the Cotswolds deep in the English countryside. So the birds were flown over to the States in the refrigerated hold of a plane. They were given their own refrigerated trailer and swimming pool with half a ton of fresh ice every day and had fresh fish delivered daily straight from the docks. Wow, those penguins were living like kings. Even though the temperature outside frequently topped 100 degrees, the entire set was refrigerated down to 35 degrees. The birds also had an around-the-clock bodyguard. They seemingly enjoyed the experience, though, as following their stint in Hollywood, most of them had mated and produced eggs. The sure sign of a contented penguin. (laughs) Getting that ass. Okay, so the Catwoman ending is its own little thing. The final scene of her looking up at the bat signal was filmed during post-production only two weeks before the film's release. Oh, wow. Warner Brothers mandated the scene, depicting that the character had survived, after test audiences responded positively to Pfeiffer's performance. Pfeiffer was unavailable to film the scene, and a stand-in was used, which is why you don't see her face. This led to interest in a standalone spin-off Catwoman movie, which started to be developed right away. At one point in the mid-90s, it was going to be a Tim Burton-directed project with Pfeiffer to return. The first script was actually turned in the very same day that Batman Forever was released, which was an indication that it probably wasn't going to move forward because Batman Forever did better financially and the Catwoman script was even darker and more twisted and weird than Batman Returns. So they were completely going in a more family-friendly direction at the time. It got put into development hell. At one point, Nicole Kidman, various others were potentially going to take over the part when Pfeiffer dropped out. It goes all the way until 2004. Yes, where they hurriedly put together a Catwoman movie to make up for a canceled Batman versus Superman film, which they would eventually get to later. Didn't realize that piece. I did see that Catwoman movie at the drive-in. Obviously terrible. It has a 3.4 on IMDb. Yeah. Which is real low. It was hard to watch. Even I mean, I've seen a lot of bad movies in my lifetime, but I can get through the first viewing. This was tough. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I was reading up on it a bit. I was surprised to see how little it had to do with Batman or the Batman universe at all. The character that Halle Berry plays is not Selina Kyle. It's a completely different person. And her origin story is similar to Catwoman's in this film, where she's basically resurrected by some Mm -hmm. magic cats or something. And if it has any legacy, it's the fact that it's known for being terrible. The whole thing, though, is pretty ironic that Burton was going to 
originally do the Catwoman standalone because although the character is influenced by feline mythology, such as cats having nine lives, Waters and Burton both never intended the belief to be taken literally and planned for Catwoman to die with Shrek during the electrical explosion in the film's climax. But I would have to say that it's their own fault. They mention the nine lives thing a bunch. Yes. She gets shot and it doesn't seem to affect her. Doesn't she survives mean. things she could never survive. Uh-huh. And then to be like, well, that wasn't supposed to be serious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, dude, come on. <laughs> you put it in I everyone's know. head. We're only playing by the rules you set forth. If anything, if you're going to make Catwoman some sort of a supernatural thing that came back from the dead and the whole deal, right. that's, that well, part is fun. Yeah, you might as well play on the nine lives thing. It gives her a gimmick. Sam Hamm's original sequel ideas were much more closely aligned with his script for the first film, which I guess goes without saying. Since uh-huh. he wrote the first film, his sequel was going to be more tied to it. In that story, he expanded the character of District Attorney Harvey Dent, who was played by Billy Dee Williams in the first film, and his descent into the supervillain Two-Face, but Warner Brothers wanted the main villain to be the Penguin, Ham believed that the studio saw the character as Batman's most prominent enemy after the Joker. Catwoman was then added because Burton and Ham were both interested in that character. Ham's drafts continued directly from Batman, focusing on the relationship between Wayne and Vicki Vale and their engagement. The Penguin was written as an avian-themed criminal who uses birds as weapons. Catwoman was more overtly sexualized, which is hard to believe, even more so wearing bondage gear and nonchalantly murdering groups of men, which probably also would play today. Uh The main narrative teamed Penguin and Catwoman to frame Batman for the murders of Gotham's wealthiest citizens in their pursuit of a secret treasure. Their quest leads them to Wayne Manor and reveals the Wayne's secret history. That stinks. Among other things, Ham did originate the Christmas time setting and introduced Robin, Batman's sidekick, although... His idea for assault-wielding Santas was abandoned. (laughs) That would really make it an alternative Christmas movie. Ham was still ensuring that Batman did not kill anyone and focused on protecting Gotham's homeless population, Huh? which is something they completely abandoned. They're like, no, get this out. Both Batman from 1989 and Batman Returns have their own unique flaws and issues with plot, but they're still considerably better in my opinion, than Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. I would agree. A lot of that does come down to cast chemistry, performances, vibes, and visual presentation because the stories themselves aren't perfect. No, and I would say aren't great, really. Batman Forever is passable. In all fairness, it's the third in a series, so it's the third film. How many times do you get to a third film and it's great? So if you put it into that perspective... It's not bad. I think it did better box office-wise because it lucked out and captured Jim Carrey at the absolute peak Definitely. of Jim Carrey's right. popularity, yeah. which was probably a big factor in that why it outperformed Batman Returns. Yeah, I don't think it was Val Kilmer. Batman and Robin, I won't change my opinion on no matter what. It's a disgrace. I don't uh-huh. like it. It's boring and it's bad and dumb. Right. Oof. <laughs> there you go. Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze is terrible. 
I just hate everything about it. Most people do hate it. It yeah, has yeah. bad scores on everything, but every now and then you'll find someone defending it and well, calling I used it to the best. Flip and... out when yeah, when people would have that above like the Nolan ones. Oof, yeah. It well, everyone's got their own fucking axe to grind with yeah, whatever movies and yeah. I get it. It's fun. But I know not everyone likes Halloween three. <laughs> there are some people who think that Batman and Robin is loyal to the comics, so thus it's automatically better than ones that aren't, which is a pretty terrible mindset in my opinion but whatever batman obviously is a character that's never gonna die even with james gunn completely redoing everything with dc and basically canceling and getting rid of everything and changing everything it seems like they're definitely still moving forward with the matt reeves batman series right now and considering even bringing that in and connecting that to other stuff oh wow i don't know i'm one of those people who doesn't know why every movie needs to be connected to 10 Same. other things. It actually kind of seems annoying, but whatever. So that'll do it for Batman Returns. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, and I hope everyone finds this to be a suitable Christmas film for the season. Well, you're going to have to, because this is it. This is the one we got. Yeah. It's a movie I like to throw on Yeah, maybe not every year, but every couple of years around Christmas time. It's a fun watch. Yeah, the Gotham at Winter thing is great, and... I think to summarize for me, everything with Batman and Catwoman together makes this an enjoyable watch. As I was pitching to you before we started recording, I don't know why they even have to have other characters every time they do Catwoman. Right. Catwoman can never be the main focus for some reason, but I think but sort she of should a, be. a fun, erotic thriller with a lot of action <laughs> yeah. and light erotic. I'm not right. talking about an R-rated movie, but no, like, a lot of sexual chemistry, a lot of... She's like a Catherine Trammell type. Okay, think of it like this. Yeah. The movie Out of Sight, featuring someone who played Batman, right. George Clooney. Yeah. You change enough about that movie to make them Batman and Catwoman. Now, granted- Was it whole... Michael Keaton also in Out of Sight? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Two Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Is Val Kilmer in it? Yeah. <laughs> Is Christian Bale in it? Right. I'm not sure. But you get what I'm saying. Obviously, part of the fun of Out of Sight is he's a criminal. She's uh-huh. a cop. Instead, she's the criminal. He's kind of a cop. Right. You know what I mean? It's, Take that kind of a thing and just make that the movie. It is. It's basic instinct. <laughs> what are you doing? What? what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Let's move on to recommendation corner where i guess we'll briefly discuss a film that we both watched recently how did you see it did you rent it no Lindsay and i went to the theater oh my god i feel like you've cheated on me now. well i think there was an attempt to i was feeling kind of blue and i think Lindsay knew that i wanted to go see that so oh boy yeah it just gets more embarrassing the more you say <laughs> Okay, so we're talking about The Fablemans, the new film from Steven Spielberg, which I haven't really been paying super close attention to the numbers, but I would imagine is sort of underperforming much in the way of I would think. West Side Story. There was a little bit more anticipation for this one, though, from us at least, because yeah. the trailer looked cool. We knew that David Lynch had some sort of a small part in it. We love David Lynch. That announcement in and of itself was hilarious. Right. Yeah. When I was saying to you, well, it looks like David Lynch is going to be in the new Steven Spielberg movie. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, well, that's not the news I would have expected from no. David Lynch, but okay. Right. 
So yeah, it seemed pretty clear from the commercials and the trailers and everything leading up to it that this was going to be an autobiographical story, a semi-autobiographical story. It kind of looked like Super 8. There was a lot of like the filming stuff and kids being involved, but then this sort of dark melodrama around the difference in these two parental figures and the impact that that had on development of a child, but then also them going through a divorce. All stuff that kind of interested me and how personal it was to Spielberg, who I haven't really been that into his movies over the past decade plus. Yeah. But this trailer was more interesting to me than most of the stuff that he's done. And I found myself feeling that special, happy feeling that I get when I'm enjoying a movie, which doesn't happen that often for me anymore. I will say there were things that I was not enjoying. I I didn't really like the first half as much. Once we get to the point where he's a high school character, I found that more interesting. But I I loved the ending. Everything that happens with David Lynch, but then also that he just throws in that little refocusing of the camera. Oh, he's putting that advice to work. Yeah, changing where the horizon is. It's just like a little cute moment, but it hit for me. Yeah, I loved the the David Lynch scene. I liked the second half more as well once they moved to Northern California and then he gets involved with a Christian girl. Yeah. That stuff was very funny. I did think it was funny that some news outlets, I saw this thing, it was like classmates say that there was no girlfriend for Spielberg at, at high school or something and I just saw someone like quote tweet that and just write LMAO got him. <laughs> sort of goofing on the idea of yeah. like, shut the fuck up. I man. know. But I thought that was awesome. Like, right. LMAO got him. <laughs> you loser. You didn't get any pussy in high school. Yeah. Meanwhile, I he's know. like the most famous director ever. Absolutely. And landed Kate Capshaw. Anyway, yeah, I was probably not as high on it as you, but I did enjoy it. I thought that it did not need to be two and a half hours Agreed. long. And it was one of those times where I could see where the cuts should have gone. And there was yeah. just a lot of su- I think extra stuff. It's too in it. heavy in the, the first half. The stuff where they're, he's a kid and his siblings are kid, like small kids. And there's just too much in that section. I guess he wanted to include, though, when he saw a the greatest time. show on earth. Yes. And then it led into everything. But yeah, he it, it went on sort of long. But. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I would probably wait until it's a little cheaper to rent if you're not going to go to the theaters. I paid 20 bucks for it. Oh, yeah. Which was fine, but right. it's probably going to be cheaper in a couple of weeks now. Totally. The way things are going. All right, so yeah, that's now available to rent for 20 bucks, or you can see it in the theater. Maybe someday Matt and I will get the chance to see Avatar, but as of yet, we haven't seen it. We can't talk about it. If my choice was go see this or Avatar, it was this for me, and I imagine I'll probably like this more than Avatar, but I'm I'll going in with an open mind whenever it is that we watch it. <laughs> Folks, have a great Christmas. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, at GreatestPod, where you can request a sticker. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc., Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance. Thank you to those who have done so recently. We've loved reading them. Find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983, and Matt Crosby. And finally, if you have not already sent in a listener request and you would like to do so, you have a few weeks up through 
Friday, mm-hmm. January 6th, and we will get to it next year, and that is for free. And then the transfer window will slam shut. Some point that will slam shut, and it will cost money for everyone, whether it's your first one or not, uh-huh. which I know really won't be fair to new listeners at that point, but whatever. Got to have a cutoff at some point. We don't really know anything else about the details if you are actually interested in potentially paying for a listener request. We don't which, know how Yeah, we haven't heard yet. that anyone is, so no. we're not rushing. No, and we will not be embarrassed if no one ever does. Totally. Believe me. That's, that's we're, sort we're of the point. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I didn't want to close the door entirely. Sure. All right, so more on that in the next episode, which should be released New Year's Eve or New Year's Day sometime around then. And then we'll be taking a break before episode number 300. Talk to you soon.
Last Christmas, I gave you my ass, but the very next day, you fucked my best friend. This year, I'm fucking your dad. I'm also fucking your cousin. <laughs> <laughs>